And it is really good to be uh, feeling better. And the heart's beating just like it should. And, uh, and I believe it's going to continue to beat just like it should. <laughs> so it is great to be here this morning. Um, we're going to continue in the story this morning. And many of you are reading through the story. We're all the way up to chapter 11 today. Working through the story of God's Word, it's formatted to read like a novel. If you haven't gotten started in this yet, I want to highly encourage you to do that. It's going to help you see the theme and the plot and the storyline of God's Word probably more clearly than you've ever seen it before. It's a way to read from Genesis to Revelation in a very unique way. Now, last week, as we journeyed through the story, we learned about the first king of Israel, King Saul. And how King Saul started off really great, but then he sort of blew it, and the kingdom ultimately was torn away from him. But introduced also was another figure. Samuel went to anoint David, a young shepherd boy, just a teenager, sort of relatively unknown, but God saw something in David that was very unique. He saw the heart of David. We're going to talk about that heart in just a moment. David was anointed to become the next king of Israel. And so David introduced into the story, and we learn about David's life all the way from that day when he was a teenager all the way down to the end of his life after he had served Israel as its king for 40 years. Now, David had many tests in his life. And among those tests, two of them really stand out. There was the Goliath test, And then many years later, there was the Bathsheba test. Now, the Goliath test represented a giant problem, an obstacle that just stood in an imposing, looming way in front of David, in front of the people of Israel. The Bathsheba test, on the other hand, represented a temptation towards sin to compromise his obedience and his faith toward God with all the consequences that follow that kind of a step. Next, the next time we get together, we're going to talk about David and the Bathsheba test, his temptation to sin. But today we're going to focus on that first test and what David can teach us about faith seeing the, the, the uh, Goliaths, the giants that come across our path. So how do we encounter and then how do we overcome the giants that stand up in front of us from time to time and threaten to destroy us? Well, 1 Samuel 17 is where we have the story of David and Goliath. And if you have your Bible, that's a great chapter to turn to right now. 1 Samuel chapter 17. Let me give you this scenario, and then we'll jump into the action of the story. The situation is that the Philistines have invaded Israel. The Philistines outnumber the army of Israel significantly. The armies are pitched about 12 miles south of Jerusalem on two valleys facing each other the sides of two valleys facing each other. Now, it was, horrible. it was a horrible terrain to have a battle in. And so both of the armies had really not initiated the battle. They were sort of at a, in a stalemate. The Israelites were afraid and intimidated because they were outnumbered. They didn't know what the outcome of the battle would be. The Philistines were also intimidated and dis, didn't initiate the battle because they, they were really skillful at fighting on the plains, the wide open grounds. They had chariots, they had cavalry, they had horses, but those things didn't work very well in a mountainous region. So pretty much, the armies are just facing each other. 
And so finally, the Philistines, trying to get the upper hand and sort of play games with the minds of the Israeli soldiers, they send their champion, Goliath, who's over nine feet tall. They send him out into the valley, and then over a period of 40 days, every morning, every night, he is out there issuing his challenge. And it goes something like this. I defy you. I curse the God of Israel. I curse you, the people of Israel. If you're strong enough, if you have enough courage, send your champion down here to meet me. And we'll resolve this issue, not as in a battle between our two armies, but that man and myself will resolve the battle. We'll resolve this war. If he beats me, then you can start levying taxes. We'll, we'll become your servants and slaves. If I beat him, then vice versa. You guys pay tribute to us. And so morning and night, the first thing they heard in the morning was this guy shouting in the valley. The last thing they heard at night. So he was, he was really playing with their minds. The Bible says that the people of Israel, the, the army of Israel, they were terrified of what was uh, terrified of Goliath. Now, I think the first thing that this story teaches us is that there are giants in this world that will destroy our lives. Goliath comes out there cursing. Goliath was deadly. He was a trained warrior. He was over nine feet tall. He was, had armor from head to toe. He had an armor bearer walking out in front of him carrying a shield. He was sort of impregnable. And every single one of us will face more than one giant just like Goliath in the course of our lives. We live in a land of giants. That's what this world is right now. And the giants that we face are the things that happen to us that sometimes can cause things like this. Cause fear, stress, grief, depression, hopelessness, anger, confusion, anxiety, and they can even lead to unhealthy escape habits getting formed, disorders, addictions in our lives. Giants always stand in the way of our going forward in our lives. And some of you are facing giants in your life right now. And it doesn't matter how old you are. Giant, kids face giants. It doesn't, matter how, it doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian. You may have been a Christian all your life. You can still face a Goliath. And it doesn't matter how strong your faith is. It is guaranteed in this world that giants from time to time are going to step out in front of you. And so David came up to this battle scene. He came up just bringing supplies to his brothers. He wasn't even in the army. He'd been out taking care of the sheep. But when he gets there, David ends up teaching the people of Israel, the army of Israel, and he teaches you and I the most important thing about living in this land of giants, and that is this. If you're going to make it in this world, if I'm going to make it in this world, then you're going to have to become a giant slayer. And what makes you a giant slayer? Well, what made David a giant slayer? I think there's three things that the scripture shows us. The first one is this. God saw in David a very unique heart. Chapter 16, verse number 7, says that when Samuel went to look for a king, 
the scripture is this, that what, what caused David to stand out was not anything on the exterior of his life. Although he was a good-looking guy, he had a lot going for him on the outside. But you know what? The stuff that's going for us on the outside is, is not going to kill giants. There is only one thing that can prepare us to kill giants, and that is to have a heart like David had. And what kind of a heart did David had, have? Chapter 13, verse 14 says this, that David was a man after God's own heart. What that means is David had a heart like God's heart. How did, that, how did he get a heart like that? Well, when David was out there watching the sheep, he spent hours reflecting upon the Lord. He spent hours getting into the, the first five books of the Bible, is what they had at that time, getting into God's word, God's law. In fact, David began to write songs as he was reflecting on God. Those songs, many of them, became the majority of what we today call the book of Psalms, part of the word of God. And so by staying in God's word, David's heart grew more and more to become like God's own heart. And you know what? There's no greater preparation for life than to face it with a heart like God's. So that means David could face Goliath just like God would face, face Goliath. He would have the same stability in his heart that God has in his heart. Because, he, because God's heart was taking shape inside of him. And you know what? That's the key to all of life. We don't have the strength. We don't have the strength to take the giants down in this life. I don't care, who, I don't care if we're like Chuck Norris. <laughs> Chuck Norris by himself. Even if he works out in that total workout machine 24 hours a day. He's not going to take care of the giants in this life. You know, there's only one thing that can equip us. It starts with our heart. And you know what? Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23 says this. Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. You know, who you are is determined by what your heart's like. And if your heart is a heart like God's, then you're going to face life with God-like strength, God-like Tenacity, God-like endurance, God-like character, God-like stick-to-itiveness, and an ability to stay on track. And that's what David brought to the battle that day. Now, when David came upon the scene that day, he saw a lot of he saw an Israeli army that did that had unguarded hearts. And they were running from the giant. But David guarded his heart. What did he guard his heart from? Well, I think this is what the Apostle Paul talks about in Philippians chapter 4. Paul is talking about giant slaying in Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. This is, what he, this is what Paul says. This is what we have to guard our hearts against in the battles of life. Don't be overcome with worry. In fact, Paul says, don't be filled with anxiety. Don't be overcome with anxiety about Anything, anything, instead, in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, make your request known to God, and the peace of God that passes human understanding 
listen to this, will guard, will stand guard over your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So a guarded heart, an unguarded heart, is a heart that opens up itself in the battle with the giant to fear and worry and anxiety and just begins to collapse. I think what Paul is saying is this. In our problems, when we face problems, our minds are going to be engaged with that problem, trying to manage it, trying to figure it out, trying to find a solution to it. And you know what? Our minds should be engaged with our problems. But Paul is saying, if our minds aren't also connected to and stabilized by the peace of God in our hearts, then we will not be able to stand before the giants. We're going to cave in to anxiety. We're going to cave in to despair. You know, the exchange that went on a couple times between David and Goliath goes something like this. Goliath looks down at David, and he says, Before the day's over, David, you're going to be bird food. I'm going to feed your carcass to the birds today, David. And he meant it. But then you know what David's comeback was? <laughs> David said, no, no, you got it wrong, Goliath. You're defying the armies of the living God. Today, God is going to prove that he is God in all the earth. Today, I'm going to, feed your, I'm going to make you into bird food. Now, here's, that's the choice. When you're facing a giant, who is it that's going to be bird food? Is it you? <laughs> or is it the giant? Who's going to go down? Is the giant going to go down? Or are you going to go down? That's what, it, that's what this life boils down to. One, of, one is going to go down. Now, David expresses the source of his giant-facing confidence in, in verse number 47, where he says, and David, David, before he stepped out there to face Goliath, David already knew this. The battle is the Lord's. The battle is the Lord's. You know what? If you know Jesus Christ, and if you have given your heart to Jesus Christ, the battle you are in today is his battle. It's God's battle. David shows Israel the only two alternatives there are when we face giants. And that is, the first alternative is we can just give up. Throw in the towel. Do you know where that, uh, that saying, throw in the towel, comes from? It comes from a boxing match down in Fort Wayne, Indiana, in January of 1913, when a guy named Murphy was literally pummeling and beating his opponent named Griffin. And so finally it got so bad that Griffin's manager picked up the towel from his corner and he threw it out into the ring. And that was the signal, stop this thing. This, this thing is over. We're giving up. We've had enough. And so throwing in the towel means giving up the fight. Now, that's one alternative when we're facing Goliath. But you know what? Where does the alternative, throwing in the towel, where does that lead a person? When you give up your faith, what else are you giving up? Think about it. You're giving up your loved ones. You're, 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 giving, up, you're giving, your, giving up on your family who need you, especially during a time of crisis, to be standing strong in faith. You're giving up your power for leadership. 
You're giving up your power for influence and encouragement and to be an inspiration. You're giving up your future. And when you give up your future, you are also impacting the future of those that are depending on you, those that are looking to you, those that are reaching out to you. There's a heavy cost. When we go down at the feet of a giant, when we give up our faith and throw in the towel, the book of Hebrews says of believers that we are not of those who cast away our confidence, but through faith and patience we inherit the, the promises of God. That's what David was doing. Now, the second thing that David shows us, the second alternative to throwing in the towel is, in verse number 40, what David did was he bent over, he picked up five smooth stones from a stream, and he put them in his shepherd's bag. And then armed only with his shepherd's staff and his slingshot, he started across that little stream. He started over to face Goliath. So here's, here's, the, here's the alternatives. You can throw in the towel, or you can pick up a slingshot. David chose the slingshot. And what does that mean? Well, it means this. David understood that faith, that the faith that brings giants down is not passive. David knew that he had some things he needed to do. The things that were lying at hand, the things that seemed right. So David took action. He took all the actions that, with all of his common sense and prayer, everything. What can I do? What initiatives can I take? Now, he picked up the sling. That, that was there. Now, did David know that it was going to take far more than his ability and skill to bring the than his skill to bring the solution, to bring the giant down? Yeah, David knew that really well. But this is what he also knew. He knew that God was going to support and work through those very natural initiatives, those very natural steps that he took to deal with the issue. So he was taking initiative. Now, what are the normal natural steps? If you're facing a giant today, what are the normal natural steps that just seem the right thing to be doing right now. What are the five stones that you are picking up to deal with the situation? Do you need to make some phone calls? Do you need to do some more networking? Do you need to go get some counseling and finally deal with this issue? Do you need to go talk to somebody? Do you need to educate yourself more about your situation? Do you need to be more proactive and aggressive in researching the problem? Well, you might say to me, <laughs> I've been fighting this giant a long time, and I have been doing everything to the best of my ability that you just ran down that list. I've, I've been doing all that. So now what? Well, there's something else in this story that we need to remember. The first thing David tried before he went to the stream and picked up those five stones and got out his sling, the first thing David tried was Saul's armor. He strapped it on. Because David thought, well, maybe this is part of the solution. He was trying to deal with the situation. He found out after trying that, that no, Saul's armor, that, that just wasn't going to work. That wasn't going to be part of the situation. But how would he have known that if he didn't take the initiative to check it out? 
And so after that didn't work, he lays that aside and he, he goes and looks for the next thing. He picks up his sling. He goes to the stream, picks up those five stones. All, we're, all David was doing is what God calls for you and I to do and to keep doing for as long as necessary. Doing everything from our end, on our part, that we know to do about the situation, about the problem. You know, that's the most difficult stage in facing a giant. It's the stage of trying all the possible alternatives because sometimes it seems like God is nowhere near. And sometimes it seems like that giant, no matter what we've done, that giant is still standing out there issuing his threats. And we can feel like everything we've tried is as much of a dead end as that armor that David tried on was a dead end. And so David, right there, he could have thrown in the towel. But instead, he went on to the next, he, he, he continued. Now, here's the promise. If you're doing your part, the Lord will guide you to just the right stone. And during that searching process, God is not taking a nap. And he's not up there just watching you flounder around in confusion. What he is to you at that time, he is your personal trainer. And he's trying to build in your spiritual body a six-pack of faith muscle. (laughs) He's building that in your life. He's trying to build up your spiritual faith abs. And I mentioned Chuck Norris a little bit ago and that total workout machine. I think I have a picture of it somewhere. Uh, (laughs) There you go. Now, the promise that Chuck Norris Norris makes is if you spend enough time on his machine, you're going to end up looking like him. God's promise, God has another machine. It's the total faith workout machine. And I'll tell you what, when you're facing the giants of this life and you're wrestling with all the alternatives and it seems like that giant just won't go away. Israel, he came out, how many times did he come back to Israel? Day and night, 40 days. That's over a month, month and a half. Sometimes you can have a giant standing in your life for a year. That giant is imposing. He won't go away. The first thing you, the first thing on your mind in the morning is the threats of that giant. The last thing you think of when you go to bed at night, your whole mind and body is possessed with that, the words of that giant and the threats. That's what problems can do to us. But God says, if we will stay true to him and hold on to him, even during that struggle process, we're not just floundering. One of the greatest things that will ever happen in your life is happening during that trial. God has put you on his total faith workout machine. Why? Because he wants to build you into a fearsome person of faith, far more than you've ever been in your past. And so the measure, the severity of the test and the giant that you're facing is only a way for you to measure the depth of faith and and power and grace that God is going to add to your life if you will trust him, if you will not throw in the towel, if you will hang on to the everlasting, living, almighty, wise God who has never failed a human being in the history of the world, and you won't be the first. And if we stay on that total workout machine, our heart is going to begin to look more and more like God's heart. This total faith workout machine is even described for us in Romans chapter 5. 
It says this, we can also rejoice even when we run into problems and trials. For we know that they are good for us. They help us learn to endure. And endurance develops strength of character in us. And then character strengthens our confident expectation of salvation. And this expectation will not disappoint us. For we know how dearly God loves us. Now there's a third thing that David did to bring down the giant. Verse number 48, and I find this pretty amazing. It says, as Goliath moved closer to the attack, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. Can you picture that? David, David wasn't out there maneuvering around or trying to look for a rock to hide behind, you know, to get away from this guy. David ran straight head on toward Goliath. And as he did, he, he pulled out a rock and he was swinging that sling. Now, to me, that is one of the most beautiful pictures in all the scripture that we, we could ever have from any source of, what, of how we are to approach problems in our lives. The, the Israeli army, <laughs> they were doing what we often like to do with our problems. We like to avoid them, deny them, bury them, hide them, get bitter about them, shut down, run, hide. But the Lord calls his people to face their problems head on, straight on, run toward the problem, bring that giant down. It's just like on D-Day invasion, the D-Day invasion of Normandy, June 6, 1944. The Allied army hit those beaches of Normandy, running straight toward the entrenched enemy, looming like a giant off those cliffs. But Eisenhower, supreme commander, he knew there was no other way to defeat this enemy than a face-to-face direct assault And you know what? We still have our freedoms. We aren't living under a fascist dictatorship today because they stormed that beach head on and took the giant. That's what David did, and that's what God is calling you and I to do. So my concluding question this morning, before we go to communion, is this. Will we be taught by David today? about how to overcome giants. Three things. Allow God to give you his heart to face life. Secondly, guard your heart from worry and despair. And number three, take all those appropriate actions that you know to do and realize that in them and through them and around them and under them and over them, God is at work. And in the process of of the time that you have to endure before the answer comes, your faith is getting stronger. Keep running toward the giant. And the promise of God is this, that in his time and in his way, God will bring that giant down and you will trample over where that giant has stood and your life is going to go forward. The battle is the Lord's. Now the fact of the matter is, Every one of us in this room today, we are already running. The question is, which direction are you running? Are you running away from your problems? Or are you running toward your problems in the name of the Lord of hosts? Will you be 
Will you be, from this day forward, the rest of your life, will you be a giant slayer? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're thankful this morning for your truth. We're thankful, Lord, that you give us a solid rock upon which to stand. We do not have to cower. We do not have to run. We do not have to hide in this life, Lord, because you will fill us with your heart. You will help us to stand before giants like you stand before giants in your strength. Heavenly Father, help us to not cast away our confidence But help us to to see the terrain. Maybe the terrain we're in right now, Lord, where this battle is happening. Maybe this is not the terrain we would ever choose to live in or be in. But, Lord, sometimes the big battles of our lives are won in the most rugged terrain. But, Lord, you don't leave us there. You lead us into the city. You lead us to where you would have us be. You you will defeat the giants. There's never been a, a giant that you haven't defeated when a person has put their trust in you. So, Father, help each one of us, help every person here today, whatever their giant is. I pray, God, that you will help us to have a renewed confidence and a renewed resolve and strength to stand up as the people of God, take the sling in our hands, and go after that giant. And, Lord Jesus, we'll give you praise for it as we come into communion. I pray, O God, today... We'll remember, we will remember why we do this communion, what it celebrates. It celebrates the thing we're talking about today, that Jesus Christ has come into our world so that we, our hearts can be transformed by receiving him. He will come into our life and he will salvage our life and and give us the opportunity to live in his will and his purpose, even in the hard times. So Lord, We come to you this morning in communion. We come with hearts that are just standing in awe of your grace and love for us. Help us to know the sacredness of this this moment and this celebration of your death and resurrection. And Lord, we give you praise. We give you thanks. And we pray these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen.